When you traveled to India to conduct biomedical research, you weren't expecting to be as homesick as you were. And never could you have imagined that seeing a little plastic frisbee flying through the sky would not only cure your homesickness, but define your year. One of a multitude of life hacks you learned while experiencing India's vibrancy of life. You're listening to 2233, a podcast of exchange stories. Definitely, I remember the first few seconds of walking off the plane. A lot of times they won't have you walk off a rampway. You'll go right down onto the tarmac, right onto the runway. And I just remember the airplane door opening and just getting hit with this heat of just, I felt like I'd opened an oven door and I had just been hit by this heat. As soon as you get out, the traffic is crazy. It's overstimulating. You've got so many motorbikes. So many people transport themselves by individual motorbikes. So you've got all of that clustering the roadways and Then you've got cows walking across, completely desensitized to the traffic. You've got chickens and goats and pedestrians crossing everywhere. This week, makeshift problem solving in the most frugal and genius ways. A starring role in India's first national ultimate tournament. And diversity in a land of contrasts. Join us on a journey from Madison, Wisconsin to Valor, India, and perhaps the ultimate exchange. It's 2233. We report what happens in the United States, warts and all. These exchanges shaped who I am. My name is Kayla Hoimer. I am from Madison, Wisconsin, and I was a U.S. Fulbright researcher to India this past year in CMC Valor, which is a little city down south of India, as a biomedical engineer. When I was coming through the customs, the customs officer, he, he kind of looked at me and he said, looked at my passport and looked at me and, you know, it's written there like blonde hair, blue eyes. And he kind of questioned me about it. He said, oh, you, you have blue eyes? And I said, yeah, I've got blue eyes. <laughs> and he said, you, you have blonde hair. Said, yeah. And then he looks and, and written on my visa, it says what I'm doing in the country. And he said, oh, science, you're doing science. I said, yeah, I'm a researcher. So immediately, kind of not only that idea that I'm this foreigner very visually, then adding on to it that I'm not here just to be a tourist, that I'm here to actually do work. And and those two together sometimes was just kind of this paradox of what are you doing here? Why are you here? What does your dad do? Do you live with your parents? Um, things like that, which is how things operate in India. But for us, it's a, it's a little bit weird. It's a little bit different. And you just had to become comfortable with understanding it's not something that they're trying to probe so deeply. And it's just some information that we in the U.S. keep a little bit more to ourselves. And for them, it's something that is a conversation starter. 
India is a land of so much diversity. For instance, the preconception that everyone celebrates Holi there is not true. A lot of the festivals are very regional. Holi is much more celebrated in the north. Actually, in my city, I it was the day after Holi, and someone's like, oh yeah, you know it was Holi yesterday? And I was like, oh, we missed it. And he's like, well, yeah, well, we don't really celebrate it here. And so the first idea that India is one unified, all-encompassed country when it comes to culture and food and language is completely wrong. It's so regional, and that's something that makes it beautiful. At the same time, then, each region of the country will be dealing with different things um, in terms of gender issues or just problems that might come with conflicts in religion or problems with literacy. I mean, there's so many different things that they're dealing with, but just because of the diversity and how different each region of the country is, um, it's hard to really classify it all into one thing. When you feel assimilated or that you feel like it, it, you've kind of crossed that step of being a foreigner and not feeling comfortable where you are, for me was when I felt like I had a command of the transportation system in my city really, really well, knowing where the buses stopped, where they would pick you up, how much it was. But also there's something called auto rickshaws that are just little personal transportation vehicles that will take you anywhere you go. You just go to the side of the road, they're green and yellow, and you can just kind of hail one just like a taxi here, but they're small, they're cheap. But the whole thing is, is that they will sometimes try to rip you off. If they feel like you don't know where you're going or you don't know how much it would be to travel there, they can really charge you whatever they want. There's no standardization. There's no meter that will keep track of how much money you should pay for that trip. Once I could start to identify and know how much it would cost me to go somewhere. And then if somebody came and was asking for double, could use my little my little tumble, um, local language understanding to bargain with them and be like, hey, I know it's not that much. Don't try to rip me off, I live here. Indians get very creative with how they handle those situations. My first couple of weeks when I was in India, I, I didn't know how to describe it to someone. I said, everyone is just so creative. They don't have a truck to transport their goats to the other side of the city. Well, they're going to put one on their shoulders. They're going to put one on their lap and they're going to go via their bike. And you see people transporting insane amounts of materials or livestock or human beings in the same car because that's all that they have and that's all that they can they can do. So they get very creative. I was trying to process all of this. I couldn't quite wrap my head around all of it. Like, what is it that's causing this to be such a fundamental way of how India works? And someone said, oh, well, you know, we have a word for it. It's called Jugad. It's an Hindi word, which we don't really have a word for here in the U.S. Basically, it's like something I think you would define here in the U.S. as being a life hack. So like a makeshift way of solving a problem in, in like a very creative and witty almost way. But there's a, uh, an added aspect of frugality. How do I solve problems that I'm facing in a very cost-effective way, making use of the resources that I have?
One example that I like to explain is, let's say that your shower head breaks and the hardware store is out of, fresh out of shower heads and you know, you're not going to have access to Amazon Prime or something like that. So what do you do in the days until you can find someone who can get you a new shower head? Well, you stick a plastic water bottle on your shower head and you poke holes in it and then you turn on the faucet and you've got a shower head. Or another time I was sitting in a restaurant and they had a mirror perfectly positioned to reflect the TV that was behind me. So now the people sitting in my booth could perfectly see the TV that was going on behind. And other than the captions being backwards, you know, what is it if the TV is flipped mirror image, you know? So this word of Jugat is something that isn't a negative connotation. Indians are very proud of it. Like, look what I was able to fix with a roll of duct tape, or look what I was able to fix um, until I could find something better. And a lot of times they will balk at the idea of buying something completely new if what you have is already semi-functional and just needs a little bit of a fix. This can go and be applied in your life other places too beyond just a materialistic way of, of solving problems. There's books written about how you can use Jugad in business or in engineering. For instance, in my project, I needed magnets um, to hold something together and I couldn't find anything anywhere really. And, but what I found out was that the rupee coin, like our quarter, it is magnetic. So I just needed a magnet on one side and I used rupee coins for the other half and immediately I had doubled the number of magnets that I could use for my project. story goes that the first time that I arrived in India, I got to my institution overwhelmed and the food was unfamiliar. I didn't have any friends yet. I, I didn't even really know who to approach. I just felt really alone. And, and I just had kind of this crisis, even just a few hours in, like, am I going to find a home here? Am I going to feel comfortable? Is this going to be a productive summer for me, not only from my project standpoint, but just personally from a mental health standpoint? I met one of my best friends the first day. He came up to me. He said that he could just identify that I was feeling very overwhelmed in the moment. He just said, let's go get lunch. And I said, yes, please. He gave me a tour of the campus and I was able to just kind of get my bearings a little bit. He said, you know, what makes you you? What's something that you want to do here? And I said, well, I'm at Athletic. Like, if I can get involved in any athletics, that would be great. And he said, oh, well, um, I'll take you over to the gym and you can see if there's anything there. And back home at my university, I'm involved with Ultimate Frisbee. It's a very social thing to do in Madison. The Madison summers, all of the parks are full of teams just playing. It's something that has always been a social thing for me, but also something in my identity is being athletic. As we were walking to the gym, we kind of had to walk over this yellow bridge. And as I'm crossing this bridge, I see a Frisbee cut through the air in the distance. The amount of relief that that flying piece of plastic gave me, it just was this wash of relief come over me. Like, there are my people here. There are people that I'm going to connect with and people that I'm going to just get to be myself with. And so we walked over, introduced myself to all of them. I was in jeans and a you know, t-shirt, so I couldn't play with them at that point, but I said, I will be here tomorrow. I played with them that summer in India, just for some context. Ultimate Frisbee is a very up and coming sport. It's not that popular. It's not really well known. Um, and that's a lot of the apprehension I had going in it. I don't think that there's gonna be any Frisbee where I am, but it's catching on. It's about 
seven to ten years old at this point and so I was fortunate enough that this year while I was in India they held their first ever national tournament my team entered they're like you have to come play with us we know you're much farther away but wherever we travel for the different rounds of the tournament just fly in meet us there so I traveled to Hyderabad I traveled to Chennai I traveled to Bangalore for all of the sectional and regional rounds and it meant the world to me I knew I was going to be here for nine months and develop other friendships but to walk in and see like a group of like 15 to 20 people that I knew from the previous time. It was just so much fun. found out when we were in Chennai that we were, we qualified for the national tournament. As cool as it was, it coincided with the weekend my dad was here. So he'd play, seen me play ultimate in the U.S. And now he was able to be here for the national tournament as well. He and I, we flew up together to Ahmedabad. And yeah, we were there for a weekend of tournaments. It was amazing. It was, it was humbling for me to get to play at a national level. It also just further expanded the community of ultimate players that I have. I was chatting with people from all over India and hearing stories about what what does frisbee mean to them it's brought communities together people have started nonprofits that unify communities based on sports and frisbee for whatever reason is one that just clicks with people it's easy you just need a piece of plastic you just need one disc because of that it's really taken off I just remember this moment as I was flying home from that national tournament because of the timing of the flights. It happened to be that that whole plane was full of ultimate players and we arrive and we're, we were doing baggage claim. And I guess I hadn't really recognized how many ultimate players were on that plane until they came off one by one. And I was standing there and able to converse with all of them. I knew I knew who everyone was and they were like, ah, like, how are you? How is the tournament for you? Can I can I call you up? Like, we're going to probably need a sub in a couple of weeks for another tournament. Even after I left, I was being contacted from all over India asking, like, if I would come in and play tournaments with different teams. The most exciting call that I got was from a friend from Chennai who said that they were looking to build a team to go to an international tournament in Amsterdam. And he said, is there any chance that you can make yourself available to be in Amsterdam? As a matter of fact, I have a little bit of a layover between being here and, and being in Europe for another purpose that I said, as crazy as it is, yeah, I can come. So here I had been playing at uh, one university, Frisbee, which then expanded a little bit nationally when I got to be a part of the National Frisbee Tournament. We'll be playing in Amsterdam with India's Masala Chai is the name of our team. I think it's going to be really cool to finish off my Indian Ultimate Frisbee career getting to play in Amsterdam. It's really amazing how empowering sports can be for bringing communities together and definitely personally making me feel like I had a home in India. I was in the middle of festivals and carnivals and parades and all of these things where 
yeah, my life just looked so different from from how it was at home. But I felt comfortable and I felt safe and I felt just so grateful for where I got to be. So it was those moments where I was sitting around a dinner table with some families that just had really welcomed me in. That I felt my parents could have been sitting there, my sister could have been sitting there. The cool thing was is that. Yeah, when my dad came, I got to bring him there, and I said, "These are the people that have welcomed me in," and it brought tears to his eyes because how can you thank someone enough in saying thank you for making my daughter feel safe and at home, and like she has people that believe in her, support her, are going to have her best interest. My dad is rarely at a loss for words,、um, and rarely have I seen him cry, but I could just hear it in his voice, and I could hear in his. In his deliberateness, with how grateful he was for those people that I had connected with and really felt like I had a home with. I would say travel places where you know people that are there, and don't undervalue how much different your experience can be if you meet a person there, rather than just being kind of just someone passing through. My experience in India was just made so much more vibrant, so much more personal, so much more genuine and authentic, because I was choosing to prioritize. Meeting and connecting with people over just going and doing and seeing. You open doors to see really the authentic experiences that are there. Being invited to a wedding instead of just getting a tour of some temple, and being invited to sit around the dinner table rather than just going to like the best curry place in in town, and that just. Allows you to develop relationships that are going to far surpass the time that you spend in that country, and you never know. Maybe they'll come to the U.S. and you'll get to play host for them as well. Understanding is that a lot of people have a little bit of a negative connotation when when somebody will say, "Oh, I was in India," and they'll immediately their mind will go to an understanding of like that there's extreme poverty. That people say India is a land of contrast. You've got some of the wealthiest people in the world, but you also have some of like the people that are dealing with extreme depths of poverty. That's definitely there, and you will definitely experience that. But I think the thing that I Brought out of my experience, the strongest was that they have this like will to live, this drive to live, and to just be very vibrant. Indians, regardless of where they are, they have this deep running connection to just a vibrancy of life. Twenty Two Thirty Three is produced by the Collaboratory, an initiative within the U.S. State Department's Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs, better known as ECA. My name is Christopher Worst. I'm the director of the Collaboratory. Twenty Two Thirty Three is named for Title Twenty Two, Chapter Thirty Three of the U.S. Code, the statute that created ECA. 
and our stories come from participants of U.S. government-funded international exchange programs. This week, Kayla Huemer discussed her time in India as part of the Fulbright Student Research Program. For more about Fulbright and other ECA exchange programs, check out eca.state.gov. We encourage you to subscribe to 2233, leave us a nice review while you're at it. I can't believe you haven't subscribed already. Is that true? And we'd love to hear from you. You can write to us at ecacollaboratory at state.gov. That's E-C-A-C-O-L-L-A-B-O-R-A-T-O-R-Y at state.gov. Photos of each week's interviewee and complete episode transcripts can be found at our webpage at eca.state.gov slash 2233. And check us out on Instagram and follow us at 2233 Stories. Special thanks to Kayla for her stories. Ana Maria Senatine did the interview and edited this segment. Featured music was Palladian and the Yards by Blue Dot Sessions, Wild Ones by Jazar, Flitter Key Backwards Beat by Poddington Bear. Music at the top of each episode is Sebastian by How the Night Came, and the end credit music is Two Pianos by Tagir Lius. Until next time.